Welcome everybody to the latest I4CP Next Practices weekly call. This is actually going to be the last call of 2023. So we've been looking forward to this one. We take December off and don't have Next Practices weekly sessions during the month of December. A lot of holidays going on, a lot of final planning for organizations going into the new budget year if your fiscal and calendar year align. Uh, so everyone's always very busy in December and we are too, including planning the lineup for Next Practices Weekly for 2024, which I'll share a little bit more on in just a moment. Um, if you've already introduced yourself there in the chat, thank you for doing that. Uh, I saw a little bit of debate about what the definition of the word chili might mean. Of course, it's relative. This time of year in the Northern Hemisphere, at least, uh, chili can mean different things to different people. Uh, but uh, let us know where you're joining from today, whether you're from your hometown, home office, or maybe you're on the road. Uh, I'm here in Rochester, New York, in Western New York, where we've had our first dusting of snow. Nothing too significant yet, though. If you're new to I4CP and new to Next Practices Weekly, uh, we're the Institute for Corporate Productivity. We discover the people practices that drive high performance. We're a human capital research firm. We study all areas of human resources. Um, we do that through our quantitative surveys where we look at what high performance organizations are doing differently than their low performing counterparts. We define high performance, you should see on the screen using those four fairly standard factors. We'd like to tease out what practices, whether they're somewhat common best practices or more rare what we call next practices, what high performance companies are doing differently than low performers. We conduct interviews, we do both quantitative and qualitative research. We've got an entire community of, of HR leaders as part of our boards, exchanges, and other groups. Um, we are a member-based organization, uh, so a special welcome to all the I4CP member companies uh, represented on the call today. You see here just a small sample of the several hundred member organizations that are part of I4CP. Uh, so again, special welcome to members on the call. If you're not with a member company and would like to learn more, uh, just go to i4cp.com. I think Zeta will be putting a link to that uh, in the chat. You can learn more. Reach out to anyone at I4CP, and we'd be happy to to talk to you about what membership entails. My name is Tom Stone. I'm a senior research analyst here at I4CP, and I'm not always the co-host of these sessions, but most of the time, so it's good to be with you all today. And today I am co-hosting with my colleague, Bethany Vogel. Good morning, Bethany. Good morning. Good to have you with us. You're gonna be leading our conversation with our special guest in just a little bit, but before that, I have a few other quick announcements. As you see coming up, we've got some sessions already planned in January. We'll continue in the new year to have Next Practices Weekly be a weekly event every Thursday uh, from uh, 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Um, but you do need to register again to get this on your calendar for the new year. So again, that link will be put over in the chat. Um, register once, it's very convenient, gets it on your calendar for the entire year. That way uh, you'll have that reminder. Um, you can choose to come every week. We love to have returning participants, returning folks joining us. Always nice to see those friendly names and faces week to week. Um, but if you're busy, uh, you'll at least have that reminder. We do record the sessions and make them available in a full recording archive. This goes back now several years. We started doing these sessions in 2020, early during the pandemic as a sort of a pivot to more online venues. Um, so we've got a pretty robust archive at this point with a lot of great guests, a lot of great topics covered. Uh, so if you miss any sessions in 2024, you can quickly get the recording a day or two later. Also wanted to note uh, coming up pretty soon in March, late March 2024 will be our next Practices Now conference. This is an in-person event uh, held in Scottsdale, Arizona at the Fairmont Princess. We've got a early bird registration deal where you can save $300 um, if you sign up by December 8th, uh, that's a, that date's coming up real soon. Uh, if you haven't signed up, sign up yourself, sign up your team. We do have organizations that use this as sort of a development opportunity for their senior HR leaders. Um, so I encourage you to consider doing that. Um, just go to i4cp.com forward slash conference. There you can learn about the full lineup of outstanding speakers. We've got a great mix of CHROs, several CEOs that we'll be presenting this year. Uh, and of course, topics that range across all areas of human capital. Also wanted to note our most recent research, which is our study, Is HR Already Behind in the AI Revolution? If you go uh, online, uh, you can download the, the free brief. Um, if you're a member, you can download the full report. And we have had a couple of sessions 
on some findings from this study as part of Next Practices Weekly. So again, those are available in the recording archive. You can download the slides, watch the recordings. Uh, this was a powerful study we did over the summer um, on generative AI in particular and HR's sort of position where we're at with it. Uh, we're going to be doing a pulse survey. I think that launched just this morning to update and get some fresh data from the second half of the year on this topic. So we'd encourage you to also visit i4cp.com on the homepage. Uh, you should find a link to uh, that pulse survey. We'd love to get some updated data on this topic since it's moving and changing so quickly. And with that, I'm going to turn things over to Bethany to introduce our special guest today and help facilitate that conversation. Right. Well, welcome, Roz. We're very excited to have you here. Um, we know you've had an interesting career in HR. You've been at Honeywell, you've been at Ecolab, now you're at Thrivent. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your career journey and then also just a little bit about Thrivent and what you're doing at Thrivent? Right, good morning, everyone. Wonderful to see you, Tom and Bethany. Um, it, you know, if you look up in the dictionary of somebody who had no plan, you'd see my picture in there because <laughs> I, you know, as a, as an exchange student and an immigrant, I really didn't have a very clear co career roadmap. So what, what that does for someone like that is that it allows you the openness to explore a whole lot of opportunities. Um, so in my journey, I have worked in uh, product marketing, I've worked in product development, I've worked in high tech, I've worked in utilities, um, professional services, chemicals, you know, automation, and today I'm in financial services. Uh, all of it uh, is a, tr a, a privilege and a blessing to be given those opportunities. Um, and I've worked in... Um, uh, various operations and um, talent development functions, a whole lot of learning uh, responsibilities. Um, all of that really has helped shape my view around how to move an organization forward, you know, using talent and leadership and culture as key levers to drive uh, organizations' success. Currently, I am the head of talent uh, at Ecolab, at, at Thrivent, my gosh, I've been here four years and I still can't uh, switch my language sometimes. Um, so, you know, I'm really, really lucky to be able to have a fully integrated talent function, uh, you know, beginning from talent acquisition, obviously, uh, to learning and development, to talent management, as well as org effectiveness, you know, when it comes to uh, workforce engagement, uh, change management, uh, uh, and org design, uh, a lot of those practices that really create a, an organizational environment where great talent can join us uh, and can grow with the organization and propel uh, the growth of our transformation uh, journey. So that's uh, kind of my journey uh, here. Um, I'm realizing I'm turning dark and I haven't even done anything to the, to the, to the lights here. Um, but a little bit about Thrivent, uh, we're a mutual aid organization that was formed over a uh, hundred years ago uh, to come to the aid uh, of people who are in need. Uh, so for over a hundred years, we provide uh, advice and financial services so that uh, people can have um, uh, financial clarity and uh, to to achieve their life's vision and priorities and uh, fulfill their values. So through our advice, investments, insurance, banking, and generosity programs, uh, we help our clients uh, uh, empower themselves uh, and then lead lives of service and faith. Um, so we're, we're based in uh, Minneapolis as well as Appleton, Wisconsin. And of course, then we have our financial advisors throughout the uh, U.S. So that's a bit about uh, uh, Thrivent. Um, and, you know, as many financial services organizations, we're in the process of significant transformation to not only capture the market dynamics of, you know, becoming a digital and agile organization, uh, but very importantly, uh, to become truly client-centric and be relevant, you know, for generations to come. Uh, so in that context, uh, that drives a lot of our 
talent and leadership development initiatives. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So I want to I want to pause because I want to get into um, yeah. Thrivent's leadership competency model and what you've been doing with it. I think you just opened the door for um, maybe why you're making some shifts and some changes. Um, but I want to back up. So you, it sounds like you've had a lot of diverse experiences. Have those always been in like the HR realm or you've been involved in like all parts of the business? Uh, many parts of the business, to be honest. Uh, I began my career in HR uh, in the utilities industry uh, okay. where I focused on training um and um, leadership development, competency development. Um, and, you know, I, I joke that I started my career leading uh, performance management practices and leadership development. And that's where I spend most of my time today. So yeah. uh, in between, I've um, worked predominantly in commercial side of the business, um, preparing the workforce to either be able to deploy uh, new platforms, new capabilities, new products, uh, to be able to serve uh, clients and um, uh, develop sales uh, capabilities and sales leadership. Um, and then um, to also be, you know, being able to build uh, global collaborative initiatives to drive big organizational initiatives. So mm-hmm. wide range of experiences. Yeah, yeah. As you, so I'm curious, if you, have gone through that journey. Mm -hmm. Um, And since we're, you know, we're talking about leadership competencies, I'm really curious, like from your experience, is there a moment in your career where you had a, like an aha moment of like, oh my gosh, I am a leader and my behavior matters or like just something really interesting, like an interesting learning moment that you had as a leader. What was that? That is such an interesting question because you're forcing me to think about how I kind of pivoted. You know, I went to school for many years, right? So those of us who invest a lot in advanced education tend to think of ourselves as deep uh, practitioners. Uh, So I remember the first time I was approached by my leader to step into a leadership role. And I remember deep resistance of, oh, I, I don't I don't want to be one of those. You know, I, I want to be an expert in my space. Um, and it took a good friend of mine who was a colleague who says, but you lead already. And it was a stark moment when, when I realized, well, what are you talking about? You know, I, I am a technical expert. I don't want to be a manager. And the feedback is, but you don't understand. You already lead. And so that was probably the first moment when I realized that leadership is not a job. It's just, you know, your ability to bring the full force of your vision and your passion and your talent to drive uh, work forward, you know, and, and, and to influence colleagues to come along on the same journey. Uh, so that's probably the first time ever when I realized, you know, ironically, I study leadership as a subject. And when I realized that, um, you know, you don't have to be a manager to lead, um, I would say the the biggest uh, lessons I've learned for how to lead, honestly, is, um, you know, for many years, uh, I worked with uh, community arts organizations. And um, when you are, you know, leading a community organization, you're leading volunteers, and people come with a great deal of passion and they could be quite volatile, right? Because they, they're donating their time, treasures and talent. And uh, what would it take for them to choose to spend their resources and their time uh, in the community initiative when they too have a vision for how things need to go and they're not always the same. So what would it take for you to rally uh, very diverse, um, you know, uh, populations, so to speak, because, you know, we, we, we would activate dozens and sometimes hundreds of uh, community members uh, to, to uh, drive our key initiatives and drive funding and drive big projects and so on. So this idea about uh, enlisting 
volunteers and channeling their passion and their energy and, you know, take everyone's personal interests and harness that towards a shared vision and the common good. Um, those are some powerful experiences that really have allowed me uh, to be able to lead. Um, you know, I've led sizable teams, I've led very small teams, and in all cases, to be able to get big, complex global initiatives done, it takes hundreds of, of folks, right, that they don't necessarily work for you, but they choose to contribute. So uh, I would say, um, you know, today we teach leaders to re-enroll their employees, to re-engage and re-recruit your best talent. You know, we say those things, but I was really fortunate that I learned how to lead um, through leading volunteers. And those are powerful, powerful yeah. mindsets and skills. Nice, nice connection there, Roz, with the with community leadership, uh, and I love the mention of re-recruiting, uh, re-onboarding. We hear mm -hmm. more and more about rallying people's passions. Uh, I just wanted to jump in here and say two just quick logistical things for the for the session, uh, folks. If you can keep your chat open and please use that to engage with us, ask questions of of our guests today as we're going along. There'll also be a couple of other moments, one poll and and another chat moment towards the end. Uh, if we have time. So please do keep the chat open and keep that conversation going. And Roz, as we're going along, I know you've, you've given me some slides here. So feel free to tell me when to advance as we as we go along in the conversation. Yep. But with that, I'll uh, turn things back over to Bethany. Awesome. Well, okay. So I love how you are talking about leadership and the value of leadership and how you've gotten there. Mm -hmm. um, I know that Thrivent is adjusting and refreshing their leadership competency model. So at the heart of it, like you are still re-engaging, re-recruiting, like getting people to choose to contribute, right? Like that is an aspect of leadership that's not changing. So what is changing and why are you noting or diving in on those pieces? Yeah. A few things, really. Um, you know, the way that we look at leadership competencies, by the way, is, um, you know, we look at behaviors, skills, mindset, attitudes that drive performance. You know, those of us who work in this space, um, you know, there are very specific definitions as in, you know, these are work uh, relevant skills versus your, you know, deeply held beliefs or, or uh, personality traits and so on. Um, so we tend to focus on, you know, what are we expecting of our leaders of each other um, to behave in, in a way that drives forward progress for the organization. So for us, um, you know, coming out of the pandemic, it's just such an important moment to pivot with future of work, with, you know, changing uh, uh, work dynamics and market expectations and client expectations. Um, we just have this huge moment, uh, Tom, if you would advance to the next slide. I, I shared some of these big uh, trends that we're dealing with that uh, is kind of giving us this uh, clarity that we have a compelling opportunity to really drive a, a an aligned set of leadership expectations uh, forward. So on the next slide is really... Um, you know, we treated this moment as this opportunity to align and strengthen great leadership. Uh, um, you know, if I listed a few key, uh, you know, factors that drove us to this work. But one thing that is really interesting for us is, you know, because we're committing to a hybrid, virtual and uh, flexible work, we have been able to attract a great deal of great talent, you know, very senior leaders, leaders at all levels of the organization, individuals with great talent. I have joined us from uh, all kinds of locations. And, um, you know, with that comes great skills, but also very divergent expectations of what good leadership looks like. So it gives us this moment to, you know, really articulate what good looks like and how do we uh, collectively reinforce uh, a, a shared set of expectations. So that's what drove us to talk about, do we update our leadership competencies? I will say that we we had a very compelling set of leadership expectations. We have not deviated from that. Instead, what we've done is 
uh, kind of refreshed our expectations with uh, more specificity, more behavior examples, and uh, more relevant uh, language uh, to specifically address the moment of transformation requirements. Mm-hmm. So is, is there a focus in on change and rapid change? Actually, you know, when you're driving transformation, this is a topic that, you know, we, we, can, we can spend lots of time on that. <laughs> You know, in the moment of transformation, so many things are uh, pulling, uh, it, you know, at the same time that, you know, when we articulate our leadership expectations, we literally find ourselves getting back to the basics of what it means to have a great vision, what it means to deliver actual outcomes and what it means to deliver outcomes through our teams. Um, so on the next slide, um you know, we have, a, I brought a few examples to share with the colleagues on the phone here. You know, we can dive deeper, we can go faster. Uh, certainly every organization is somewhat different. Uh, the way that we uh, articulate our leadership expectations, as you can see, it's a very uh, straightforward uh, set of accountabilities, which is deliver outcomes. You know, above all else, we must deliver uh, on our strategic priorities, right? So that is the expectation. And then secondly, um, we very much recognize that, um, you know, whether you're a senior leader or you're a frontline employee, deliver outcomes, you have to go get that done through teams, through working with each other, through rallying each other to a shared uh, set of objectives. And then you can only rally the team when you yourself model the way. You yourself demonstrate courage, expertise, resilience, and trust in order to rally the team, in order to deliver enduring outcomes. So on the next slide, we uh, filled out the specific competencies. We ended up with nine competencies that we want the organization to collectively focus on. Um, You know, there are so many skills and competencies when it comes to leadership. Um, but what we chose to do is to really focus on the few that are most critical for us to drive our growth at this particular moment. And, you know, certainly we center around living our purpose and living our values. Um, and then the nine competencies uh, in the inner circle there. So mm-hmm. I can offer, you know, just a few more examples, Bethany, if we have time to show you how. The, the leadership competency expresses itself in day-to-day behaviors. Yeah, so I definitely want to get into that. I want to take a moment to just pause mm-hmm. and run a poll really quick. Let's see okay. where the audience is at. Um, yep. Are they doing the same thing right now? I, I think it's really interesting, and I appreciate how you talked about um, there's a difference between, like, where – we redid everything. And that's not what Thrivent is saying. Instead, Mm -hmm. they revised, they refreshed, um, they really honed in on making it specific um, and relevant to where you're at in the environment today and where your goals are headed. Um, So the the poll should be up. um, And we're just wondering, what are you doing with your leadership competency model? Maybe you don't have one. Is it staying the same? Are you doing something similar to Thrivent? You're revising, refreshing. Um, Maybe you're recently or you're planning on updating it. You've recently updated it um, or you're decommissioning it. So let's see what it says. Oh, my goodness. We are like. Quite a mix. Yeah, quite a mix. No one, no one decommissioning the model. But besides that, pretty even results here between not having one at all, um, staying the same, uh, intending to refresh maybe in the new year or soon after, uh, or having recently done so as you've done, Roz. Yeah. Yeah, fascinating. This is super I mean, helpful just to see what's all going on. You know, isn't that interesting? Because when we began this work, I naturally reach out to colleagues. And what I right. found is a lot of organizations are going through a refresh because pandemic. You know, the, the, right. there's so many forces that are changing that it's quite 
uh, understandable that organizations would want to refresh the leadership expectations. But this data is really interesting. Yeah. I mean, as you know, I work um, in the community at I4CP, so I get to talk with a lot of different organizations, and there really are a ton of companies that are really focusing on that revise and refresh Mm -hmm. um, thing. And it looks like, just based on this data of who's showed up and shared, it's it's about half of the organizations are doing it. And like you said, um, you know, we're really looking at a changing environment shifting goals and making that relevant to the workforce in what that means today. So let's dive in. Tell us a little bit more about like some of the specifics and examples of what that looks like. And I see some of um, actually a lot of great questions coming in uh, through the chat and we'll get to that in a second. A lot around like, (laughs) how did you go about building it? Did you do it internally? Did you do it externally? How are you starting to measure the success? How do you measure those? So we'll get into those um, in a moment, but yeah, dive into some specifics. Tell me some examples. Sure. Um, you know, we have some examples in the slides and Tom, we, we can just uh, cruise through fairly quickly mm-hmm. so that because I, too, I'm very interested in the dialogue about some of these questions. Um, so first of all, we do articulate that leadership is uh, expectation for everyone, not just people leaders. And then secondly, that's on the next slide. We can look at, you know, I can offer you some specificity around. Um, so for deliver outcomes, for example, we articulated three critical competencies and and you can see the exact wording of how we express those expectations. Uh, So for example, you know, uh, plan and align work. At this point, you know, we're we're very passionate, we have very passionate colleagues and, you know, people make extensive plans, but, you know, our ability to align across the organization is something that we're intentionally, you know, spotlighting to make sure that, you know, as as each team makes its plans and moves things forward, other teams are also changing at the same time. So it's important for us to call out that align your work is as important as planning and executing your work. So that's just an example of how we're articulating at this moment what we're looking for. On the next slide, for example, what we did is we actually took a specific, uh, every single competency, in this case, I use the make sound decision example, uh, we curated behaviors, you know, what more effective looks like, what less effective looks like. You know, you could almost argue some some of the less effective is really around, this is not good at all, uh, but, you know, we're, we're intentionally driving this continuum this concept of continuum because no human can be brilliant at all of these competencies. And, you know, we do some work well and we struggle with other work. So uh, what we did is we took the specific stories and examples that came through the organization and kind of illustrated for our teams around, you know, at different levels of the organization, what some of these behaviors look like so that, you know, individuals and team members uh, and leaders can look at that and say, you know, in, in fact, you know, Bethany, I've actually got really good feedback from our leaders to say these examples are so helpful because they literally live in my team. You know, some of these things we see on a day-to-day basis, so it becomes easy uh, for us to spotlight what's going well and where we want to improve. So uh, what we did is uh, with every competency, uh, we articulated this is what we mean. And um, we offered behavior examples uh, of more effective and less effective. And from this, we built assessment tools. We built 70, 20, 10 development tools. Um, And, you know, Sandy, your question is, I'm catching it, that yes, it applies to all members of our team. Hmm. I think you just hit on something that is really, really important, and that is make it real. Mm-hmm. Make it real, like not this ethereal, like pie in the sky, as I like to call right. it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but what does this actually mean and what does it look like for me? So yeah. um, how I'm really curious, how did you go about like 
developing this, creating it, finding these mm-hmm. examples? Um, who did you work with? Did you purchase it off the shelf? What did that look like? Mm-hmm. We took a fairly long period of time over uh, the whole process was over a year, uh, not because it's that much work, but because it takes it takes a bit of time to make sure that we hear all the vo- uh, all the voices. Um, so to to answer your question about the how, uh, we did uh, engage with uh, external partners to help us think it through. And then, um, Tom, on the next slide, I can show the uh, colleagues here uh, a bit of the process. Next one. Yeah, there we go. Um, So we engaged our uh, executive leadership team right away uh, so that every single one of them had one-on-one interviews with me um, specifically to give me stories of what great looks like and where do you find the struggle um, and, and what, what are the most important things that we need in the coming two to three to five years. Um, so all of these are curated through specific uh, stories. Um, and then we reflect it back for them to, yeah, I literally forced them to do a card sort exercise because they have so many expectations, right? We have to prioritize. And then we put it through three to five senior leaders uh, at a time. We did dozens of focus groups where uh, leaders get to really put their uh, imprint uh, on the work. Uh, We engaged our uh, employee resource groups. We engaged, um, you know, individuals from different different divisions, different levels. Um, All of that is to make sure that we land on competencies that are truly differentiating and uh, critical at this moment. Um, and then, you know, so we didn't choose to buy something off the shelf. Um, I, my organization, just like many organizations, has had the privilege of using existing frameworks. Um, and sometimes they have staying power and sometimes they don't. Um, so in our case, um, there is just so much pride in who we are and how we behave that uh, we chose to do uh, this work internally uh, with, you know, support from our uh, external uh, SMEs and partners. Uh, But ultimately, we want this to speak native, thriving. So that was, you know, one of my key criteria is that, you know, it's it's language that the organization can relate to. It's uh, illustrated with stories that came through the organization it's um, expectations that our leaders can easily uh, articulate and uh, coach. Um, so we chose to build it from within. And I will tell you that it is the greatest development experience for my core team who uh, was, you know, not only brought into these in really powerful conversations, um, but also had to study lit- leadership. You know, we we really relied on very robust leadership literature and my team literally had to validate and document, you know, where do we find a particular uh, definition of the competency that we're looking for and how do we know that that actually drives positive impact on the business, on the team, on the talent and so on. So a lot of work, uh, a lot of time uh, to travel that that. Uh, process. Yeah, um, definitely the the time factor there was uh, obviously it was an iterative process involved lots of people. I'm I'm reminded of the I think it's an African proverb about if you want to go fast go alone, if you want to go far, if you want to go well, you know, go with go with many others, <laughs> that sort of yeah. thing. So, yeah. sounds like you involved a lot of different people in this process. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and uh, it goes also, back to my it goes back to my volunteer days of leading mm-hmm. volunteers that you know people need the opportunity to influence, and um, you know the 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 proverb that you referenced, Tom, uh, was the body of work it was the guiding principle back when I was at Ecolab and we were building leadership development experiences from all around the world. Uh, mm-hmm. We actually used that exact mantra to say we're going to go far together. Good. Uh, and then that's what uh, building buy-in from the get-go is all about, that yep. the people who have to make this come to life had the opportunity to shape it up front. 
Yeah, so it'll feel authentic and, and real for each of them. Um, I, I wanted to just touch on the uh, the sort of third column here, particularly the the last bit there built into performance management and talent review templates, because several of the questions we've gotten in the chat are yeah. about the employee and talent life cycle. One asked in general which areas are impacted. One asked specifically about succession management, so talent review. Uh, and then uh, two asked about performance management. Could you, so several people interested in these topics, can you say a little bit more about how you've integrated this competent leadership competency model, redo, re rebuild, refresh into all of these areas of talent? Yeah, uh, it's an ongoing body of work. So because we took the long journey, uh, it gave us the opportunity for the team to build out all of the support mechanisms uh, up front. So, um, you know, our performance management templates include, you know, what you delivered for the organization and how you delivered the organization, right? So we actually see uh, leadership competencies as part of your performance. Uh, so that is part of our performance conversation and is certainly part of our talent review conversation. Um, but, you know, for, for those of you who specifically lead talent reviewed succession planning exercises, you know we're not only looking at business results, leadership competencies, we also uh, look at drive and ambition, we look at uh, potential uh, for accelerated growth. Um, so it's not the singular dimension that we look at, but it's part of uh, our assessment of a talent's uh, leadership impact. Um, it, you know, when we look at the overall succession planning process. Hmm. That's really interesting. I yeah. think um, you've called out just some really important pieces of how you've developed things. You know, you, you said that stories are powerful. Um, I think you also did a good job of like looking at the extremes, mm -hmm. um, which is always an interesting process when you're creating something new, right? Yes. To look at the extremes, what's really, really good, what's really, really bad. Um, mm. And then you also focused in on prioritizing, right? Um, if you, I talked to somebody yesterday who was like, well, if you tell me that 99 things are important, you're effectively telling me nothing's important because- right. <laughs> I've got to be able to prioritize. I've got to be able to learn. Um, mm -hmm. There, I do see a really interesting question from Laura in saying there's there's a strategic choice to see leadership as a competency for everyone, mm -hmm. not just leaders of people, right? Can yes. you share more about the trade-offs and the benefits that you see with that choice? Yeah. I'm trying to think through the trade-off. Um, you know, we're in the moment where uh, so much of really important work is driven by very senior, very seasoned individuals. Um, you know, some of that could be the industry of financial services where you're just very senior experts, individual experts. You know, they, they may or may not lead teams. Uh, but you're, we're talking about your top lawyers, your actuaries, your engineers, your architects, and your um, very seasoned uh, individuals that, you know, literally are pillars of our core functions. So whether you lead teams, whether you lead large teams, it's not necessarily correlating to the size of your impact, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, when we look at leadership, we articulate this as your ability to move the organization forward. And whether you're, um, you know, leading a whole project team, whether you're leading a cross-functional initiative or um, just leading a really important body of work, we expect every individual to you know, be able to plan and align their work with their stakeholders, to be able to bring the right level of expertise. You know, I saw somebody point out that bringing expertise is an interesting call out uh, because we are an expertise specialist kind of industry. And you have to know, you have to be really good at what you do. Uh, the way that we articulate expertise, for example, uh, is expressed in this moment of our strategic horizon that we not only want uh, everyone to go deep on the body of work, 
uh, but also to bring business acumen into the mix in how they uh, express their expertise and to bring a digital first um, mindset to every decision that we make. So, um, you know, so if you care carefully curate uh, how we articulate these expectations, um, it literally has to apply to everyone. Interesting. And I'm reminded of your story at the very beginning when you were approached to be a leader and somebody mm -hmm. told you, you're already doing it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're right. already a leader, right? Right. Um, but what what's fascinating about what you're talking about here is that this has to be able to apply to everyone. So how, mm -hmm. how did you make the leadership competencies come to life? How did you make sure that it applied from all the way at the very top, all the way mm -hmm. throughout the entire organization? I don't know that I particularly found that to be challenging, to be honest. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I think some of the behavior examples where we articulate, you know, a, if you're leading self, these are some of the things we're looking for. If you're leading teams, you know, the, those, those demarcations feel a bit artificial sometimes to me. And, you know, I'm the one who like literally uh, worked on penning every single line uh, with my team. Um, so some of that feels a bit artificial. So we actually invite, you know, our, our workforce to travel across the entire page of every competency to really understand what are some really helpful behaviors for them to kind of just try it on for size. Um, mm. But beyond that, we, um, I haven't really encountered obstacles. Yeah. How are you measuring like the success of the adoption? Mm. Um, of this new model. So you're saying try it on for size. You've talked mm -hmm. a little bit about how you're embedding it yeah. in the different organization. What what does success look like for you? Yeah. So success means, um, you know, we have shared language. We have shared expectations. Uh, I literally have leaders who catch me in the hall to say, hey, the development guy, we just used it. Uh, you know, <laughs> hey, half of my team are new leaders. This couldn't have come at a better time. Um, I, a, a, a division of, of uh, our organization recently had their summit where they brought several hundred uh, colleagues together and they had a leadership excellence award. I didn't even know about it. They, they, they you know, they put together an, a nomination process and a selection process to kind of celebrate peers. Uh, for their leadership impact. It was the most brilliant thing. You know, I was so privileged to witness how the whole award ceremony occurred um, purely out of their own volition. And, you know, we're, we're uh, shamelessly stealing that whole construct to, to apply to other parts of the organization. So those are some of the, you know, very basic things that, that we look for. The... Um, you know, ultimately, we will look at, for example, um, you know, our workforce engagement indicators. We will look at our, um, you know, obviously business growth and success, uh, workforce retention and so on. So uh, we, you know, we can get into that conversation maybe on a different setting that we're literally watching uh, a lot of these core uh, employee development growth and engagement questions move the dial uh, over, you know, we launched this uh, spring of this year and we're literally only seven months in. Uh, we're watching, you know, this broad adoption of the, the language, the expectations, the, the training programs, the opportunities that leaders are embedding into uh, their engagement activities. It's just absolutely uh, delightful to watch. Tom, if you want, uh, if you don't mind, uh, just advance a couple. So I just want to share with the team here, you know, how we, oh, back, maybe back one. I just want to show the team here. Uh, when we launched our leadership competency uh, framework, we, you know, obviously mounted the campaign and tons of organizational awareness, uh, but we 
taught the competencies, the definitions, the behaviors through stories. So Bethany mentioned, you know, we curate a lot of stories. And what we did is, you know, because we did so many focus groups, all of these stories are ripe for the picking. So my team actually uh, worked with every leader to curate that specific story that illustrates a specific competency and a specific behavior. So when we launched it, these story videos become part of our e-learning program. They become part of our communication campaign. They're embedded into our, we have a monthly meeting planner uh, set of materials for leaders to use. Um, and then we'll continue to curate uh, more uh, leadership stories. Um, so again, this is, you know, a leadership competency model that's anchored in our own expectations, our own strategic priorities, and expressed in our own voices. Uh, it just has so much more stick to itness uh, for the organization. And then on the next slide, um, Tom, as you can see, um, this work is not done. You know, it's an ongoing process. Um, you know, what, what you see on some of these visuals, you can, uh, we're sharing with you that, um, you know, we launched it from the top. Our senior leader summit, the, the, the senior team literally spent uh, multiple hours at it, you know, working through what does it look like and, you know, taking the self-assessment uh, reflection tool and we have coaching conversations, we have role plays, and they were all facilitated by their peers who were trained as uh, leadership competency facilitators. So, you know, as, as many pieces as possible, we weave it together um, so that, you know, the, the entire organization feels like it's a cohesive adoption of this set of expectations. Um, so on the next few slides, I can just walk you through some of the material that we literally uh, curated as part of this whole year-long journey. So for example, we have interview guides, right? So if we have behavior-based interviews, um, then you know we pre-populate uh, example questions that our leaders can use uh, to be incorporated into their candidate interview uh, process. We have um, on the next page, we have a whole bunch of training experiences uh, available immediately. And, you know, we have what we call Leadership Snapshot. It's, it's a free self-reflection tool that you can also use for your team members and your colleagues. Uh, but more importantly, we have a, a leadership competency development guide. We have hands-on application workshops where literally folks go through this assessment and kind of practice on each other of how to discuss what you're doing well, where we could see more effective uh, behaviors and things like that. And I will say, you know, over time, all of our leadership programming will be uh, integrating all of our leadership competencies. Um, the, the biggest uh, win for us on the training side is literally division leaders, uh, department leaders, project leaders, and employee resource groups are sponsoring events where they add leadership competency training as part of their event. Um, so we're just watching the growth and adoption in a very, very proactive and very organic way. On the next slide is just an example of what a development guide looks like. So for each competency, as you can see, we offer you behavior examples at different levels. And then we literally just take the 70-20-10 concept and we have leaders help us curate what kind of on-the-job experiences you can leverage, what kind of uh, you know, partnership you can use. Uh, we use this for mentoring programs. We use this for development planning. Um, Thriven is also an organization that invests deeply in uh, ongoing self-development. So we do have a rich uh, library of resources, uh, of, of learning resources that we, uh, my team has curated uh, for, for every competency. Um, and then uh, I mentioned the self-reflection tool on the next slide. It's just a quick snapshot. When we launched leadership competency for our senior leaders. Uh, we literally invited every leader 
uh, to go through a self-reflection process of just kind of thinking about how often do I show up with these behaviors. Um, the same tool is available for team members to kind of give feedback to their leaders, for each other. Um, and then we offer conversation starters so that, um, you know, a leader can sit down and say, let's talk about what, what your towering strengths are and where would you like to be more effective and how can I help you uh, come up with a plan to improve uh, this particular area. So we build in all of these coaching and conversation tools. Uh, all of those had been tried and revised and tested. Uh, we had a lot of user design sessions um, to develop these tools so that leaders can say, oh, this is very confusing or, you know, what I really need, right? So we literally write scripts uh, for leaders to try on uh, on some of these coaching conversations. So then over time, on the next slide, uh, we've had in the in the last seven months or so, we've had easily over 1,200 uh, completions of this self-reflection, peer reflection, team member assessments, and so on. So that gives us the opportunity to look at kind of a heat map metaphor around where are we collectively showing up strong and where we might have collective patterns of needs. Um, and then on the next slide is my absolute delight that, um, you know, among all the things that we did to prepare for the launch and integration. Um, the coolest thing is we were able to partner with our total rewards team to really integrate leadership competencies into our recognition platform. And I was just looking at the metrics uh, last night in preparation for this conversation. You know, Thriven has a very strong recognition culture. Any given day, every hour, team members are recognizing each other. And you can see, you know, folks are being recognized for delivering outcomes, for rallying the team. And um, we're literally looking at uh, nearly, four, actually over 40,000 impressions just back and forth in the last seven months because a leader might recognize 10 team members on an initiative or a peer might recognize, you know, someone in a different uh, division altogether. So all of this recognition and celebration just creates that much more awareness and ongoing repetition of our leadership expectations. That's amazing. I, I keep looking at how you, um, you created a lot of really great resources for everybody and you're looking at the utilization of that. Um, but the way that you created these resources was you, you took it from stories and you shared those stories. And by sharing those stories, you have set the model and enabled people to make things their own, mm -hmm. right? That organic piece of it. So I, I really love how you've done that. That's a huge um, kind of lesson learned for me that I'm definitely going to take forward. I'm curious, you know, what in our last couple of minutes, what are some lessons learned that you can share with us? Yeah, um, I, I, I did a bit of reflection. Uh, I think if I, you know, asked my team this question, they would have a lot to say because, you know, they lived through this whole year of working on all of these initiatives, all these projects, all these deliverables. You know, one of my team members has a, a project list miles long, so to speak. Um, so kudos to, to the core team that worked on this. Um, so I, I would really uh, just, you know, among talent leader colleagues here reflecting on, you know, what does it take to build something that will stay? Because, you know, if you start this work, uh, how many people on my core team? Maybe uh, half a dozen. Um, and then we have then communications colleagues, right? Um, you know, other folks that really, uh, you know, help us. But um, all of us worked on competencies that are beautiful slideware that don't actually go anywhere. So my number one mantra to the team is when we launch this, it will be a non-event, right? Everybody has known about it. Everybody has had an opportunity to weigh in. People, I want people to say, finally, you know, what took you so long? And that's exactly how that turned out. Um, and to do that, instead of resistance, instead of saying, oh, 
HR is doing more HR stuff, right? Uh, I would just really celebrate the fact that take the time to Tom's point earlier, don't go fast. This is not something that needs to go fast. Um, take the time to engage as many voices as possible and get your key influencers to become commissioned champions uh, to drive this. Um, I will honestly say every focus group, you know, our leaders say, we've done this. You know, why are we doing this again? And, you know, how, how long is this going to last? And my answer is, well, it's going to last as long as we need it to. And I need you to help drive it. Right. So we literally asked uh, influencing leaders to be the champion to drive this. Um, and I would say relevance matters. You know, I would not do this work unless the organization is ready for it. You know, I, I shared some of the key trends that got us to do this work. Um, I would say meet your organization where it's at. Um, do this work when it's really relevant and really prioritize, really make it something that speaks native to your own organization. Um, and then rigor. Let's not forget that leadership is, is, a, is a body of work. So let's not just take some executives random, oh, I, I want this, right? Uh, really validate and truly work to curate the competencies that could be measured, that could be benchmarked, that could be trained, and so on and so forth. Uh, nothing replaces rigor in our own body of work. Uh, and then just weave it everywhere, right? Like my mission is to make sure there was a question flying by about how do you, how about new leaders, right? So we put it into onboarding, right? So my mission is to make sure that it's woven into every part of the organization so there's no way to avoid it. And, um, you know, that's a body of work that we continue to do. So if there was one word of advice for anyone who's doing this work, I would say plan for a multi-year journey. Don't plan for the launch. Plan for two years later, what does good look like? And that's how you're going to create enough uh, mechanisms to drive staying power. Well, very good. Um, I need to I need to jump in here and, and interrupt yes. us because uh, we're at the top of the hour. Um, I want to thank you, Roz, for everything that you've shared. You've been an outstanding guest today, including the, the drill down on so many of the tools and content pieces. Thank you, Bethany, for uh, for leading this conversation and being such a great partner as, as the three of us prepped for today. So thank you to you both. I wanted to note for those that are particularly interested in this topic, if you're with an I4CP member organization, uh, you have access to six or seven exchange groups, which None other than Bethany is our core uh, community manager and, and leader across those groups. Um, the Leadership Development Exchange is one of those, and we're just now rolling out the schedule of meetings for these exchange groups in 2024. And we've already identified a topic that is very much aligned with the conversation today. As you see here, May 7th of, of next year, 12 o'clock Eastern time, unveiling new leadership frameworks and measuring business impact. So uh, hopefully Roz can join that conversation and be part of that one. <clears throat> I know you're a leader in, in a lot of our communities, Roz, so appreciate your always leaning in. Uh, but we'll want to hear from other member organizations, find out what they're doing as well, maybe how it differs uh, from, from some of the things that you're doing at Thriven. Also just wanted to note uh, these sessions, these next practice weekly calls every week are available for recertification credits for both HRCI and SHRM. So if you're an HR professional that has a, a certification and needs your recertification credit hours, if you attended today's session, just jot down the program ID or the activity ID where relevant, uh, and you'll be able to do that. Once again, thanks everyone. Um, this is our last session of the year. As we said earlier, you'll need to re-register for the calendar year for 2024. Hope to see everyone back in January. We'll have another great year, another great year of, of weekly Next Practices sessions. Uh, on, on behalf of Zeta, our, our partner across all these sessions week to week, Bethany and Roz, I hope everyone has a great rest of your day and great rest of your week. Bye -bye Thank now. you very much for this opportunity. Thanks, Roz. Thank you for listening to this episode of I4CP's Next Practices Weekly podcast. I encourage you to join us live for these discussions each Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific time, so that you can ask questions of our guests and co-hosts and participate in the conversation. 
Just go to i4cp.com forward slash events to register. We hope you'll keep tuning in as I4CP brings you more great HR executives to discuss how high performance organizations are leveraging best and next practices in HR. Thank you, and we hope you have a great and productive week ahead.